You're listening to The Nerve, an English at WIT podcast. In this episode, we are talking about translation and particularly the translation of Irish plays. Joining me in studio is Jose Francisco Fernández Sánchez from the University of Almería in Spain. I've been practicing that. Um, Jose is a senior lecturer in English literature at the university and has edited two books on the short story in English. His main research interest is the work of Samuel Beckett and he has translated plays and short stories of Beckett's into Spanish. He has also written a book on the reception of Beckett in other countries. Joining Jose are Dr. Una Keeley, my fellow English colleague, and Andres Romera, a lecturer in Spanish here at WIT. Una and Andres have uh, collaborated on a recent translation of The King of Spain's Daughter by Teresa Devi. So welcome, everybody, Thank and thanks you. so Thank much you. for coming, joining us. And Jose, first, welcome to Ireland and welcome to WIT. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Good. Well, it's, we're, we're delighted to have you and you, you, were, you gave a great... Um, a great talk to our English students as part of English Day. Um, and I was just wondering, um, because I was teaching that whole day, unfortunately, and I couldn't make it. Um, and apologies if I'm, if I'm covering all ground here. But I just wanted to know, how did you get into this area? You know, how did you get into translation studies? How did you end up here doing what you're doing now? Well, the thing is, one does not plan these things. One doesn't one day you know, have uh, in front of a sheet of paper and plan your future. What are you <laughs> going to do? It simply comes, let's say, naturally. I am. I found the 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 work of Samuel Beckett fascinating. So I started reading it, and then I wrote a paper, and then I went to a conference, and then I translated a short story. Then I got hooked and went to another conference. Then I edited a book, <laughs> and things like got rolling on without your almost without your noticing. Yes, like, a, like academia, it just rolls out of control. Sometimes. That's right. But no, I'm very happy doing what I do, of course. I mean, if I do this, it's because there was a... Uh, I was finding myself uh, very comfortable doing it. Yeah. And also I was thrilled of doing it as well. And then, so what particularly drew you to Beckett? I mean, did you, did you encounter that in your undergraduate degree or did you encounter it later? He's one of the of the many authors that you do normally in an English degree in Spain, as many others, which is normally included within the label of English literature, which is obviously wrong. Okay, <laughs> but anyway, we, yes, we read some in, the, in our degree and all that. It was in the doctorate, during the doctorate courses, when I read him thoroughly. And then I thought, mm, this is, this area, this is a territory that is worth exploring. Yes. So, and and what was it about his work? Yeah, there must be some affinity in the sense of what he the the his vision of existence in this planet, which is so confusing and and you know and difficult to explain, to be perplexed. How mm, the idea of trying to understand how we behave, but without reaching a conclusion. And his vision of life, which is a bit bleak, but also full of humor, that combination is what draws draw me to, to, to Beckett. And the humanity of Beckett. As well, yes. Yes. Yeah, there is a, uh, like a, his universe, his literary universe, is uh, speaks to me as with mi to millions of people. Okay, that is, I feel that when he says something, he describes 
characters or landscapes or people or whatever i feel uh, an affinity with that i th- i feel that he is not trying to sell in selling me anything mm. that he's reaching for a truth and he's being honest he's not advertising anything and he doesn't care if he if we buy the books or not that is yeah so i thought that, well that is the approach yeah. i like that kind of artist yeah I Me can too. appreciate that. <laughs> I know, yeah. And to not be, yeah, that nobody's foisting anything upon you. I get it. Yeah. Mm. Um, and we might come back to that link between the Spanish and the and and the Irish in a little while. Actually, I just might ask you a little bit more about that. But just, um, I want to just come back to the to the translation element of your work mm. for a second because this is where we might uh, connect in with the others in the room here in a minute. But. Um, what I mean, I when I lived in Spain for for a while, and I lived with someone who who was studying, who was doing translation a lot as part of her course, and she found it really really difficult, but she was really good at it actually. Um, what do you think are some of the most interesting challenges of translation, and and also does it kind of attune you to the language of the text and attune you to the text in a way that studying it in a traditional kind of as we say, chalk and talk way, you know, somebody standing at the top of the room and teaching that it, that that doesn't do. Do you think that there's something in it that really kind of connects you in or, or is it just like, you know, this crazy thing that you just like to do? <laughs> well, it, speaking in general terms, to be a vehicle by means of which a work of literature in one language can be transmitted, can be rendered into your own language, to be part of that process is thrilling and exciting. And you are contributing to let others know what you think um, something is worthwhile and should be read in your in your language. Beckett has been translated into Spanish, but uh, we found or I found that a few things had not, a few short stories had not been translated. So I went, I translated them. So it is the only, the a couple of short stories that I have translated by Beckett exist uh, only in, in this version that I did. Mm-hmm. But also I'm, I'm a scholar, I am academic. So for me to translate Beckett is a way of trying to understand the author. In fact, in some cases, I have gone through the translation of the book simply because I wanted to know perfectly what it said, how it worked internally. Mm. And so I thought that the best way, after reading it, the best way to get to the to grasp the inner core of the book was translating it. And why is that? So what um what is it about that process of moving it from one language into another that that gets you to that core, do you think? Well, the thing is, the, the, of course, the key is language. The, for a translator, you have always many options. So, and in the case of Beckett, because he was a bilingual author, he wrote in French and he wrote in English and he translated all his novels and plays into English or in French. So we can get to that, to the decisions that he made. So to understand those, because we have the original in French or in English and the version that he made in French or English, right? So to be able to, to see what choices, or even if you, he made, or even if you have the opportunity to see the manuscripts and what words he deleted or he wrote in the margins, 
you are like witnessing the whole process of literature in a way. Yes, it's, it's something intimate about it. Yes, intimate. Yeah. Yes, although he had an awful handwriting, it has to be said. <laughs> and it's difficult. To, well, there is a challenge in itself trying to it decipher is, that. Yes, I have burnt my midnight oil uh, <laughs> trying, and, and, yes, trying to understand the handwriting sometimes. But um, to be there and to see um, why he chose one word or why uh, did he, what terms did he use he changed from English to French or from French to English to make the literature more, uh, more uh, to make it closer to the readers of that language, mm. what he had in mind. Of course, you will never get that close, but you can have an approximation. Yes. And, and I, I know so... Um, uh, Una and Andre, so you, you kind of were um, decided to collaborate on one of Teresa Devi's plays, The King of Spain's Daughter, and to translate that. Um, can you just talk us through, like, why why on earth did you start to do this, Una? Well, first of all, to <laughs> say, um, as I can, I have a lot of affinity with what Jose says about not really cho- having a plan and knowing the way forward. Um, I didn't realise that I had this affinity with DV's work until I encountered it and then began to explore it. And p- because I work within the discipline of theatre studies, that exploration involves collaboration of all kinds with different kinds of um, practitioners and experts and academics. And the there are a couple of things about DV. One was... and. The fact that DV is from Waterford, she her work fell out of favour in the Abbey in the you know from 1940 and onwards. It's re- enjoying a resurgence of interest at the you know for the past ten years, um, but very little work actually was done by practitioners in that decade. Now we have had the lovely Abbey production, um, Katie Roach, and we had Amanda Coogan's adaptation or interpretation of the King of Spain's Daughter. And what we wanted to do here in WRT as part of the Performing the Region project was to explore that work. And the King of Spain's Daughter is, it, it was always the play that just really, it, it seemed to speak to me in, in such a powerful way. And we had explored it with students doing rehearsed readings of it. And when I saw the students and heard the readings, I it energised me further. It, I wanted to explore it in new and different ways. And the, the decision to explore DV in different languages came about by beautiful chance, actually. Um, just a moment of, of conversation, of kind of brainstorming of, imagine if we could do this, imagine if we did that. And we had that moment and... I said, well, imagine if we made that possible and approached Andres and Monica Rudy Kent to to see how we could he- play with the play, the text in three languages. And we did. We had a trilingual reading in Garter Lane as part of Culture Night in 2018. And Andres took the part of Peter and read it in Spanish and Monica took the part of Mrs. Marks and read it in Italian and 
you said a lovely thing yesterday, Andres, about, you know, you got to know Peter. And basically I inveigled <laughs> Andres into um, keeping working and... And Andres, maybe I'll let you take the story on. Andres. Yeah, Andres, had you, had you ever worked like, I mean, you'd done a little bit of translation before, presumably, had you or um, in an academic sense, had you done it or really. just as like a non-degrad? Here, you are all kind of scholars and you are all doing a lot of things and uh, you are very much involved with that. Um, I got into this a little bit. I don't know. It was something different. Uh, I was talking to Una before about doing something to do with Lorca and La Casa Bernarda Alba. And then uh, this came up uh, for that cultural night and it was something different. Uh, There's mo- nothing like a deadline, is there? Um, you know? No, it wasn't <laughs> just because of the deadline. I think it was because of the people. Um, yeah. Una and Monica, I liked them. Uh, they were going to be involved. Uh, the students were lovely as well, the students mm. from Theatre Studies. Students, yeah. And then there was a, a, a lovely group. That's, that's what attracted me to that. It was the people. It wasn't the, the play or it wasn't... If she had said to me, instead of Teresa Div, it was uh, Billy Magee, I would have done it anyway. Mm. Okay, but uh, it was just one of those things. And then once that we started... Uh, I enjoyed it. It was lovely. It was it was like a change. It was something different. And then, of course, she kept asking me for more things. <laughs> and there you go. And then, uh, but and like did you for instance, did you I, develop that affinity with the text then, Andres? Yeah, by, by yeah, translating yeah, it? Did uh, you start to really like at it at the beginning. To be honest, okay, and I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> you I, could, did, I thought friends. it was a, a strange play, you know. And I thought that the ending, the ending, led me a little bit. Um, kind of Perplex. thinking what yeah. the hell is going on here yeah. you know yeah. a little bit we'll, we'll get Una to give us a little synopsis yeah. in a second so. but uh, then eventually yeah uh, I got more involved and we started looking at other things and of course answering you back there I don't have the experience that for instance Jose Francisco has you know with translation because more or less it, it has been always the uh, translations I did it was more for, for private things you know or, mm. or for my own research or sometimes for the classes preparing classes here in the in, in WIT then it was a challenge in a way and it still is like today for instance we were having a, a little review of my translation and when I saw all so many red marks I thought oh fuck it you know like <laughs> but look uh, it's, it's it's meeting the people and, and they are nice uh, nice bunch and, and that's that's what I'm taking from this you know mm. like the, the and it's interesting you know like I, sp- I suppose those red marks are indicative of the fact that it's it's an ongoing process it's you know yeah. it's, it's a process that could yes. shift the next time you, yes. you you could take that same play and translate it again yeah. in a different way probably yeah. and you lose different versions different views as, as Jose Francisco was saying yesterday as well and, and I have lost as well uh, words from not being in Spain in, in so long, you know, that mm-hmm. even if you stay in contact with the news and the paper, it's, it's not the same, you know, like some of the lingo, the, the colloquialisms, you're going to lose that as well. The same as when I was talking about her aunt today coming back from mm-hmm. Italy, you know, yeah. uh, and then it's, it's a challenge, but it's a nice uh, I, I have enjoyed it. I'll put it that way. Mm. No, it's intellectually rewarding. Very rewarding to work with these people and to have a text which is so interesting, which is very in uh, apparently is a simple story, but it has many resonances yeah. with history, with the history of the place, with the history of women. Yeah. 
and um, and also in a general sense with humanity, with our dreams, our expectations, and then how reality comes and <laughs> spoils everything. And ruins everything. Actually, no, no, Una, just, just for anybody who hasn't read the play or come across the play before, because I'm aware that, you know, some of the people who are listening here might not have ever um, okay. encountered it. So would you just give us a little synopsis of it, just to tell us what it's okay, about? Okay, well, The King of Spain's Daughter was written in the 1930s by Teresa Devi, who came from Waterford. And it's, there's five characters. The central character is called Annie Kinsella. She's a young girl. Um, she's in her teens, maybe maximum early 20s. She's um, beautiful in her mind and in her presence. And she comes onto the scene and the scene is a dusty, shabby road where roadworks are happening. And her father and a young man that she knows are working there and she's late with the dinner. She's late because she's seen on the way she's delayed to see a wedding taking place. And she describes the bride. She describes the scene and we know and she 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 moves from this naturalistic dialogue into this poetic realm, like so many of Devi's heroines do. And she's 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 on the cusp of those two worlds, the imagination and the real. And she's she's struggling to maintain that throughout the play. And reality comes in the form of her father and comes in the form of Mrs. Marks, a neighbour woman, and comes in the form of Jimmy, her, this young man who she decides that she'll marry. But during the play, we we see her struggling to accept that and, and resisting it and looking for a way out. And, and the way the play finishes is disturbing and ambiguous and disconcerting. And it's, it leaves a, it's, it's the grit in your shoe or in your eye, it's you finish the play and you go, oh, no. <gasps> Can we give and away the ending? Do we want to give away the ending? <laughs> no, it's not a sad ending. It's, it's not, not sad. a sad ending, but it's we're just not sure of what's strange. It's, it's different. It's dis- disturbing. For me, it's disturbing. Mm. And Jose Francisco, you're talking about, you know, how interesting it is that it kind of talks about the role of of women in society um, and in Irish society. Like, was that something that you were thinking of um, when you encountered this this uh, production that they were doing or this, this transition that they were doing? You were saying that you, you just found it interesting yesterday. Oh, yes, yes, definitely. Because, uh, well, it has been said many times by, because it is a history that has been taken for granted. It has not been explored fully. So to give, to write a play like this one in the 30s about just a common girl with dreams and aspirations. And also it tells us about a sociopolitical uh, mm-hmm. environment in which she lived and what were the options for women uh, without an education at that at that time. Um so the only choices that she has in front of her are oh, going to the factory or oh, getting married. There is no other choice, no other options. There are no other options. So it tells very much about the... Uh, and probably the situation was in Ireland and 
perhaps in Spain at that time it was even more drastic in the sense that perhaps there was not even the choice of working in a factory. Mm. So, yes, it makes us reflect about what were the conditions of of men and women, and particularly women at that time. Mm. And we also see in the character of of Jimmy Harris and of Peter Kinsler the very limited options that they had also. Um, it's not easy for Jimmy Harris and he struggles through his own life and the fact really important when we've done the readings of DV we always we give voice to the stage directions too and in the stage directions to the King of Spain's daughter we are told everything is covered in a fine dust and this is the dust that we see in Becca too that that ash that layer of that covers humanity that that of course, DV is before Beckett, but they, we know that they were they were contemporaries. They were both published in their lifetimes in the same Irish literary magazines. There's silences in DV that go through modern drama, actually. They go through Pinter and they go through Beckett. And we have in DV the, a, a playwright who's resisting naturalistic dialogue and realism whilst working within the conventions. Mm. And that's what makes this project so interesting um, because we are, with the short, with the one-act play, like the short story, everything is so compact and yet everything is so, is is spare um, Mm. with DV. And that makes the translation process quite, um, in a way, complex, doesn't it? Because as you were saying, Andreas, uh, that idea of having access, full access to your own language is kind of a challenge then if you if you live, if you are a Spanish person living in Ireland. Um, So I I know you were talking um, like about particular, there are particular kind of words and phrases in the original text then that are quite a challenge to to convert into Spanish. Did, is that yeah. something that you yeah, found? Because you have like um, colloquialisms, let's say, typical from Waterford. There were a few expressions typical from Waterford. Are there uh, any examples, actually? Do you have any examples of, of any of them? Do she belong to you? Oh, does she belong? Do she? Yeah. That's a do she belong? Do she? Brilliant. Okay. Then we had as well <laughs> typical from that time yeah. as well some expressions that probably nowadays people wouldn't use. And then it was a little bit of a challenge, of mm. course, um, uh, but it was it was a good challenge. I would put it that way. And, and going back to what uh, Jose Francisco was saying, Anuna as well, like what I found is that the way I enjoyed this, it was relating to nowadays in a way, because when you are thinking of Annie, you see that in spite of uh, what Jose Francisco was saying, that she has no. The only, the only options, as we were saying, was, okay, she has to stay there, the factory, or get married. But we have to think of a woman, Annie, who has been living her life in a way. Like, I mean, it's not that she has been always kind of a slave, let's say, or but she tends to bend the rules all the time. And she tends to imagine things. And she wants to dream of a different future, 
even whenever she gets married, mm. you know, she's thinking, I'm not going to be the normal wife. I'm not going to be the standard one. And then you have this character, which is not a typical woman at that time. Okay, maybe she has those conditions that she has mm -hmm. to fulfill the same as any other one. But she, during her 20 years, as I was saying, she has done a lot of things that other women <laughs> wouldn't dare to do. Mm. Okay, and then she's mm. very, mm. Uh, a very flaming character, yeah. I would say, you know, like... Uh, and she's know. a joy to be in the company of, mm. actually, I think... Yeah, a little bit crazy, <laughs> funny, yeah. you know, like a wild horse, I would say, you know, like uh, free spirit, free yeah. spirit. Yeah. And I suppose it's, it's, it's just so appropriate to, to, to add that... Andres and I are complete novices. We're 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 well intentioned. We're trying to do something, but we're absolutely delighted to acknowledge the support and guidance of Jose Francisco mm -hmm. and that the support that we're getting. Of course, it's going to be, the, you know, we take responsibility for the thing at the end, and we're we're working. But it is absolutely so great to acknowledge the guidance and support that um, Jose Francisco has given to us. Yeah. Um, and is the aim to, to ultimately publish this in Spain then? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Yes, it will be published uh, hopefully next year in a journal that I edit. Uh, it's a specialised journal on Irish, of Irish studies. So we will publish the original and the translation. But I have to say that for me, it is it has been a uh, process of discovery, reading and revising the play and the splendid translation that Andres has done and the fantastic work. It's a, I have learned a lot. I'm, I'm, I like uh, Ireland and Irish literature. And so for me, learning these expressions and also the way to know an author that I, for me it was completely unknown. I had never seen her name in books of Irish literature and I have done Irish studies and she, had, she never appeared to discover an author so interesting. It has been very exciting, very exciting. That's great. And do you feel there might be um, an appetite out there in Spain for, for this type of... Yes, I, I would say so, yes. I studies in Spain in the last decade or in the last 15 years or so has experienced an extraordinary boom in academic circles. We celebrate an annual meeting of our Association of Irish Studies in Spain. It's called AEDEI every year and we invite Irish scholars and young people are joining us, young students and doctorate students are doing the PhD thesis, their dissertations on Irish authors. I am supervising at the moment, I'm supervising three um, dissertations on Irish authors. So mm, uh, Ireland always raises a lot of interest, but particularly with Irish studies, the, the literature is so relevant and also is so beautiful and the use of language, uh, it has many say, points of appeal, of attraction. Mm. So uh, this is uh, hopefully only the the, oh, the beginning, beginning of yeah. Teresa Divi in Spain. Yeah, she great. She never uh, went to Spain, did she? Um, not to my knowledge. 
Well, he's, he's traveling now. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. He's making the journey yeah. now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's exciting. And I always think, like, uh, having spent time in Spain, I often think that there is kind of an affinity between the Irish and the Spanish. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I can't put my finger on it. But even, you know, our sense of humor Definitely. is kind of similar. Yeah. And it's, we kind of get each other in a way. And I, maybe yeah. that's overly simplistic of me. But um, I uh, something that struck me, um, Jose Francisco, when, when uh, we were talking yesterday as well, is about the idea of Beckett and and when I was in college studying and I was studying Spanish um, and we were studying Ramon del Valle and Clan and we were studying um, you know Cervantes and we were doing Lazario de Tormes and all of those and um, the idea of these genres like the Esperpento and the picaresque the fact that like there's there are elements of those things in Beckett um, and I was wondering, was that one of the reasons why he appealed to you or that you found him even maybe, I, I don't know, even a little bit familiar or something that there were that there were, you could trace those elements in his work as well? No, as no, it was not, not really? my, no, it was not my case. Beckett, although he has been translated and the main plays, of course, have been and are performed from time to time. Beckett is not very popular in Spain. He's mm. not an author that many people follow or he's read. And I think that it has to do with the translations that were done in the past. I believe that Beckett was translated when he was first translated into Spanish in the uh, late 50s, early 60s. He was a revered author. And so translators approached him with awe, oh, with uh, fear and with an ultimate respect. And so the translations are solemn and ultimately boring. <laughs> so Beckett is more colloquial, more natural, more mm, is funnier. Mm. Yeah. So that's, I guess, that's why I thought of trying my hand at translating him, trying to produce not better versions, but more updated versions. Mm. Mm. So and try to to engage more readers, more readers. Mm. But the thing is, Beckett was not. Uh, the, the, there was not a love story between Beckett and Spain in mm. both both ways. He oh, never no, I, visited Spain. Oh no, I'm not suggesting that there was a love story there, but kind of that mm-hmm. that there are certain things that I remember studying that I could see. You know, you can kind of see that there's different things going on in those two different countries, but that there's influences there somehow no, that are the crossing influence over. of the Spanish inf- of the Spanish literature in Beckett is minimal, minimal, yeah. and he didn't have an interest in Spanish culture. Um, at all, at all. I mean, he even read Don Quixote in French, just to give you an example of... No, all <laughs> Don Quixote, yeah. Yeah. So, mm, no, no, he... But you know I, the way you have those characters, those characters that are kind of... Um, but in a way, they are universal, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, they are universal. I think, I suppose, when I was studying Spanish, yes. it was, that was my first encounter you know, with with those genres and with those kind of the everyman or the yeah, yeah. Uh, tramp, the yes. vagabond, you find them in almost no. But he didn't get an influence from uh, the Spanish picaresque in that sense, not at all. If there was any, it was in the Spanish mystics, Christian mystics, like Saint John of the Cross. That those are the only affinities that he would that you can find, which are clear. Mm, but not the classical Spanish literature, no. Mm. Mm. The picaresque is more about maybe the culture, mm. and you see that in Spain mm. uh, with cases of people like El Dioni, for instance, who was a, a 
Yeah. A man who was working for a, if you think of the vans, the, the, the van that brings the money from the banks, and he decided one day just to take the van with the whole money and go to <laughs> Brazil. And then you have that in the culture, in the Spanish culture, where people love those kind of characters because they are, uh, in theory, they are not the powerful, they are not uh, uh, the mm. richest ones. And, and you sympathize in a little way because mm -hmm. they are like you in a way, but suddenly one day they just do something different and you laugh at it. And, and you know... It's it's a, it's a diff. It would be more with culture, I think. Right. I yeah. think. Uh, yes. No. I was talking yesterday about the famous play uh, "Waiting for Godot," mm. and uh, re the historical reference of these two trams abandoned, left in on a uh, in an empty road, have to do with his experience in France during the war. Yeah. And in the aftermath, the and war. refugees from the war, he, they could be some of. Mm, uh, people that he could actually have met, people mm. running away from the conflict. So, no, his references are very clearly, Beckett's references are clearly marked, settled in in France and in Ireland, and in the Ireland of his youth. Yeah. Mm. Well, hopefully there is a bright future for Beckett in Spain and also Divi in Spain. Here's hoping. With Jose Francisco behind you, how could you fail? This is my feeling you? about. This is my I feeling on know. it. This is perhaps it's a disaster, but we'll have fun. Absolutely. We will. Down we, will. we go together yeah. and we'll laugh in, during our journey. Just like in a Beckett play. <laughs> and with that, we must end. Thank, thank you, you so Jenny. much. Thank you. Thank, thank you very, you very much. much. Thanks for this. And we will see you in the next episode, everybody. But thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you.